This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. This is a series of messages called Jesus is Coming. This is part two. We are looking forward to Christmas. We're looking forward to the first coming of our Savior. And his first coming points us to his second coming. And that's why last week in part one, we took a kind of a jet or a quick tour through the end time events. And we made some applications to our lives and we're preparing to remember the first coming of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist's John John Baptist job description was to prepare. We're in Luke 3, to prepare the people to receive Jesus Christ. In Luke 3, 3, this is his job description. He went into all the country around the Jordan pre- preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. In John... Is a very special guy. He's in the wilderness baptizing. This is verse 7 of Luke chapter 3. John said to the crowds coming to be baptized him by him, crowds were flocking to him. He was the most popular thing going at the time. And the reason it was so popular is because John told these people what no rabbi or teacher of the law, and the law is the whole word of God to the Jew. They call it the law. He spoke the law and the word of God, and he said things the rabbis and the priests and teachers of the law would never dare say. Here's what John said. He said, you Jews need to repent and be baptized. Now you're a Jew. Here comes a preacher telling you, you need to repent and be baptized. As a Jew, what are you thinking? Well, you're thinking, I'm descended from Abraham. I'm going to heaven. Automatic. John, you go start preaching. No, Gentiles, man, they need it, man. They're the bad guys. They need to repent. They're the sinners. Oh, man, you've done this. I'll tell you, you've done this. You sat in a church before some church, and you said, boy, they need to hear that. (laughs) Someone really needs to hear. You're thinking about someone. They really need to hear this. That's for them. Then you get to verses 7 to 9. John said, this is Luke 3, to the crowds among uh, coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with, here it comes, repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. How to win friends and influence people, huh? I mean, there have been churches who throw preachers out for saying stuff like that. 
these Jewish people were duped by false teachers, rabbis, scribes, Pharisees, people they respected, who said, oh, your religion saves you. Being a Jew saves you. That is such a lie. Devils want you to believe that because salvation is a one-on-one -on -one personal matter. When you stand before Jesus Christ, man, you're not going to be with a group of people. He's not going to judge a group. It's you and him. That's why I have to do a heart check frequently. And I do this and I ask myself, is Jesus Christ my first love? You ever ask yourself that? I'm serious about that. I try and ask myself, are there any, are, are there, are there any idols in my life? Any idols? Anything I need to get rid of and let go of? Is there anything in my life? You've got to do this. That I put before my Lord. See, it's a personal thing. Something else. John challenged the way these people thought. I mean, he challenged these folks. They were Jews. It was automatic. He challenged them to think differently about God himself, about sin, and about their very salvation. He said, God can make descendants out of these stones, descendants of Abraham out of these stones, see? Salvation happens, he said, when you turn from your sin to the Lord. That's called repentance. And that upset them. I'm sure that upset a lot of those people. But they had to be upset before they turned, see? I don't like to be challenged like that, but God bless the people who do challenge me. I'm serious about that. I don't like to be challenged like that. I mean, you get a little bit haired off right away, right? But God bless the people who do make me rethink some wrong ways I'm thinking or living. People who do it in love, like my wife and others, are dear, precious people because they care about you, they care how you come off to people, and they care what you're doing to yourself. So when your wife challenges you, guys, or your wife or your husband challenges you, lady, just kind of go up to him and give him a big old smooch and say, thank you, honey, don't stop. <laughs> Somebody sets you right, you give him a big hug and say, I appreciate that, don't stop. But then change. Don't placate him, change. And that takes us into repentance. I mean, John's preaching like this, and the word is having effect. I mean, the word is kind of digging into people's hearts, okay? Look at 10 and 11. What should we do then, the crowd asked, and John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. So what's John saying? You have more than enough. Start blessing people with your abundance, see? <laughs> now, now look at John's influence. I mean, look who this message is appealing to. Tax collectors. People hated tax collectors, and tax collectors are coming to John. Verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized. I mean, this message is cutting into their hearts, too. Look at this. This word of God. Tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And John said, quit saying, basically, my paraphrase, quit saying two for Rome and one for me, two for Rome and one for me, enough of that. And then soldiers, you know, that's hard. To, that, that, that's hard. To, well, I do believe it. It's in the word of God, but that's hard to believe. I mean, soldiers came to him. That's verse um. Verse 14, soldiers, and they were the, I mean, they were more hated than tax collectors because the Romans were the one who occupied their land. But the soldiers' hearts were being convicted. Soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely and be content with your pay. Their hearts are being moved by John's teaching and preaching. And folks, that's repentance. That is repentance. I mean, don't do this, you know, change your life. I mean, you go back to verse three. It's back to verse three. This is John's mission. He wanted all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See, repentance is understanding you're a sinner, first of all, that your sin offends God, 
And so you confess your sins to God in prayer. And then like the crowd, like the tax collectors and like the soldiers, you turn from that sin. I mean, number one, you understand the sin against, that, that sin, it, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a little thing, man. This is a sin against the holy God. This is a big deal. And you want to be right with God, so you confess that sin, and then you turn from that sin. Now, here's what lights my fire as I look at this text. God's word and the change it brought about. That's repentance, God's word. How it affected their hearts. That, folks, my, my point is there is power in the word of God. I mean, you look at that word of God and you say, this is God speaking to me. And when you begin to internalize and assimilate that word of God, I want to tell you something. There is real power there. Man, please take this home because it's going to get you into the word. Unless you're into the word, there's no power. There's no power to change. No power to change. Tell yourself over and over again, no power to change. Unless you're in the word of God. You want to see a great change? You want to see a great, great change? I refer to this guy a lot, but this is a great change. Zacchaeus. He's got this Jesus thing going on inside of him. Luke 19. His life, despite all his money, was very unfulfilling. And so he actually climbs a tree. A lot of you know that story. He climbs a tree. You know, there's all these crowds lining the streets of Jericho, and Zacchaeus climbs a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus above the crowds. And Jesus stops by his tree, calls him by name. Zacchaeus comes down and invites himself. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house for lunch. And so they sit down across the table. And they talk, Jesus and Zacchaeus. And Jesus, I'm sure, relates to him the word of God. Well, he is God and he's talking to him. So Zacchaeus is getting the word of God. Now, listen to Zacchaeus' response. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up of Luke 19 and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give, I, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay back four times the amount. Do you see the transformation? Here's a guy who was all seeped in money. I mean, he went from money is my life to righting the wrongs, blessing the poor, righting his wrongs, giving back all that money four times that he had, you know, he quadrupled what he had cheated people out of. He gave half his money to the poor. What did that leave him with? Maybe, maybe just enough to get by. That's transformation. Even better, look at verse, verse 9. Verse 9, today salvation has come to this house. He didn't give his money, he gave his heart. The tran Listen, the transforming power of the word of God. Soldiers, tax collectors like Zacchaeus, they listen to John, they say, what can we do? See, the word of God has power because God the Holy Spirit himself, he accompanies that word. See, the spirit brings supernatural power. Not natural strength. The Spirit of God works through that word. And when you put your head into that word and mind and heart into that word, you have supernatural power working inside you. And we just don't think like that, you know? I just have to look. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that. You've got to look at Isaiah 55. This is such a great passage. I fall back on this every time I say anything from the word of God. Verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 55 is the rain and the snow come down from heaven. And do not return to it, 
without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Okay, so the rain and snow come down from heaven and they just feed the soil, feed the plants. Verse 11, so just like the rain and the snow, God says, is my word that goes out from my mouth through his preachers, through his teachers, through his prophets, through, through the written word. So is my word that goes out from my mouth Listen now, it will not return unto me empty, but I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which, excuse me, I send it out. I heard this. I didn't know these people directly. They lived in Washington State. It was a, a couple in their 30s, and they had a um, couple of boys, I believe, 8 and 10 years old. And in their late 30s, they both made six-figure salaries. They were both... Very attractive. It was an attractive couple. And they were both seeing somebody else on the side. And, and the dad got real sick. And so this couple moved to Iowa. And, the, and mom wasn't feeling well either. And so they, 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 they moved to Iowa reluctantly to take care of their parents, their mom and dad, to take care of the wife's parents. And mom and dad invited them to their church. And they went grudgingly, kind of to pacify mom and dad, and they started getting in the atmosphere of the Word of God. And then mom started taking her daughter to a woman's Bible study. And dad, who was getting better, he'd been through all the chemotherapy and all that stuff, took his, took his son-in-law to a men's group. And the kids got all excited about their Sunday school and all the kids stuff that was going on in the church. And the bottom line is this man, this mom and this dad, they stopped all their on-the-side relationships. And now they are so in love as I got the story and so committed to each other. And their goal is to raise their kids to be godly men. And that family totally turned around. Why? Because of their involvement in the word of God. Now tell me you don't know people who need to change. And I said, there is power in this word of God. I got to tell you this, man. They're, 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 they're not. Nobody's going to change. There will be no change until these people somehow get around the Word of God. It's got to be the Word of God that's going to bring about real change. Real change. I mean real change. you got to get into the atmosphere of the Word where people are talking about the Word of God. I want to tell you something. They could become a Zacchaeus. Get all this money. Half to the poor quadrupled what he took from people. It left with almost nothing. I mean, that, folks, that could happen. That could really happen. I mean, that's Isaiah 55 again. It was the word of God that showed the crowds and the tax collectors and the sinners their sin. So they said, help. What can we do? See, what can we do? Isaiah 55, so my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Man, that's a promise from God. And God doesn't go back on his word. He will, he will work in you by that word. John the Baptist's commission, prepare the way of the king and repent. Luke 3.3, 3, he went into all the Jordan, country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We're talking about repentance. And there are two steps to repentance. Okay, the first step is we need to confess your sins. Our, our sin, we need to confess our sins verbally or at least in your heart because God will hear your heart before God. 
You need to confess your sins before God like that. And the second thing is you need to do 180. You need to forsake them. Or I like what the NIV Bible says, renounce them. The whole deal is confess, renounce, confess, renounce, confess, renounce. And that is Proverbs 28, 13. Man, know this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. What sins are you concealing? Listen, he who conceals his sins doesn't confess them. Will not what? Prosper. Will not prosper, see? But whoever confesses and renounces finds mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. If you have not yet received Jesus Christ, you need to hear this first. Before you can ever go to heaven, you need to repent. That's what John told the Jews who thought that because they were Jews, salvation was automatic. John the Baptist said, not just the Gentiles, you guys, children of Abraham, you guys need to repent. You guys need to confess your sins and renounce. Confess, renounce, confess, renounce. And, and most unsaved people don't like to hear that. Because you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to heaven because Charlie's a couch potato. I'm serious. You think, I, I'm going to heaven because Charlie is a couch potato. All Charlie does is watch TV. He does nothing for his family. His wife comes home from work. Every day she has to pick up the house. She has to make dinner. And you say, when I was out of work, I was on the phone, man. I was on the internet. I was in my car. Charlie's on the couch. I'm not like Charlie. Or maybe you say this. She is involved in so many things. Her husband has to come home most nights a week, and she tells him to pick something up for dinner, Kentucky Fried, Chinese, pizza, or something like that. And you say, I stay home, and I take care of my kids, and I make sure there is a decent, balanced meal on the table. I do that, not her. And that's good. But what have you just done? What are you doing? You are comparing you're comparing yourself to other people. Now hear this. I do this. Come on. I do this. I, I look at people and say, hey, man, look at me, God. Hey, man. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> look at me. We do that. We Christian people. Man, we do that. We do that. See, we're comparing. And Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 48. You know this. Be therefore what? Perfect. <laughs> See, perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So what's the standard? Charlie on the couch? The lady who calls her husband says, bring home some Chinese. Is that the standard? Folks, compare yourself with God himself, God the Father himself, and we all fall short. Believer and unbeliever, man, we all fall short. And those of you not in Christ, man, hey, tell you what, don't mess with this. Yeah, I mean, you're messing with fire. I'm not kidding you. You are literally messing with fire. I mean, you got to confess those sins and tell the Father in heaven and be honest. You got, you got to finally be honest that I'm not going to compare anymore. I can't be good enough to earn or merit your favor. But Jesus did that for me. And I confess my sins. And I repent. And I want your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. I want it. And so please, dear Father in heaven, for Jesus' sake, forgive my sins. And I don't care. Listen, when you pray like that, I don't care about your past. I don't care who you are, what you did. Every sin is covered by that sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Father actually punishes him for your sins instead of you. Drink that in, folks. Admit your sins. Bring him to the Father. Listen, don't mess with God. 
God wrote this. I didn't write this. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you think you don't need to repent, if you're comparing yourself and you're not comparing yourself with God, listen to this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth is not in you. You are lying to yourself. But if we confess our sins, guess what? He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a tremendous, tremendous promise. And listen, believers in Jesus Christ, we need to repent. And hear this, we need to repent as believers. And I mean, this is a big thing. This is a big thing. We cannot repent apart from the work of God, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. You got to know this. We cannot repent of sins apart from God, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that's why every day when I confess my sins, I say, Holy Spirit, you, you need to um to show me my sins because I can't see my own sins. I mean, obviously, I can pick some of them out. I mean, we can all pick some of them out, but, but I cannot pick out the sins I sin like, like I need to. And, 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 and I, I pray, you've you got to ask the Holy Spirit in prayer. You've got to do this, man. This, this is so important. You will never confess the right way unless you do this. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your sins. And the Spirit will be gentle. He will show you your sins. And if you are into the Word of God, and I pray you are, the principles of God's Word are in you, they're inside you, and the Spirit will use these principles and gently convict you. Just an example, sometimes I will say what needs to be said to whoever. And I know in my heart it was the right thing to do. I'm just trying to get these people back on God's track, back on the right track. But other times I'll say what I think needs to be said, and I'm convicted. I am. You could have been kinder. You just kind of bulldozed your way in there. And I know it. I know I did that. And that, folks, is the Spirit. And I say, Father, forgive me. And that's step one. And then step two, help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to change this sin. Don't let it control me. Help me not to bulldoze over people. Confess our sin. And you say, what about this confession bit? Come on, pastor, you taught me this, that when we came to faith in Jesus Christ, every sin we could ever sin was forgiven. And so if every sin we could ever sin is already forgiven, then what's the deal here? Why do we need to confess? Well, the deal is Psalm, Psalm 32. David was a believer. I mean, he messed up his life with Bathsheba, but he repented of that and he was a believer. And I look at Psalm 32, David wrote this. And he didn't confess that sin for almost a year with Bathsheba. Psalm 32, verse 1. I mean, he wrote this after his confession. Listen to this. Blessed is he whose transgressions are, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not impute or count against him. And in whose spirit, listen to this, there is no deceit. You, you, you fess up. <laughs> David said, verse 3, when I kept silent, when I didn't confess my sins, oh, I love this, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. See, the heavy hand of God is going to be upon a believer who does not confess his sins. And I want to tell you something, and this is a good thing. This is a good thing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're just kind of holding on to these sins and you're not confessing these sins, man, you, God will give you no peace. And that is so good. 
I pray God doesn't give you any peace when you're holding on to those things. I pray you are so upset, man. I mean, there was a barrier between David and God, see? And, and, and this is for us because, because confession broke down that wall. David wasn't getting the blessings that God wanted to give him. We're not getting the blessings that God wants to give us when we're holding on to those sins. And confession breaks down those walls, man. And confession really is good for the soul. Folks, listen, I struggle with confession. We have to look inside, man. I do that every single day. You know what I struggle with? My motives. I, I look at my motives and the Spirit helps me look at those motives because I ask Him to do that and I struggle with that every day, man. I, I say, Father, am I doing this for your glory or for mine? That's almost a daily prayer. Is this for your glory or for mine? Here's another big one. Father, am I doing this to help somebody out of duty or just to make me look good? Or do I really care about these people? Am I really being obedient to you? Those are motives. And then I pray for the right heart to care and not just to do things mechanically. Or some sins, you know, you just know. You've done them and you tell God, I did it, I said it, I thought it. Father, forgive me, but you come back to this for Jesus' sake. I mean, that's the biggie. Father, for Jesus' sake, you but forgive me. I mean, he paid such a great price for his sake, for his sake, for his sake, for his sake. Forgive me. Let the word of God fuel your confession. But let God's word fuel your confession. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. Here's what Paul writes, inspired by God. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Let me read that again, Ephesians 5, 4. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which for the believer are totally out of place, but use your tongue for thanksgiving. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.